Have you ever heard these words, you know, something like this, you can do anything you set your mind to? Ever heard anything like that, kind of maybe in middle school, maybe in high school? This is kind of the image that comes to mind for me, like I'm in, I don't know, probably a math class, it's probably algebra, I didn't study for the test for whatever reason, and I look up and I see one of those motivational posters, you know, motivational poster kind of like this, you know, kind of the hang in there cat poster, you know, and my eyes kind of look like the cat's eyes, and we lock eyes, and we're like, this is not going to go well. Like, okay, it's just me and you, cat. Like, here we go. And you're going through the test. You know, have you ever interacted with kind of these motivational posters or those motivational phrases? You can do it if you put your mind to it. If you put in your time, if you put in your energy, you can do it. I think those posters are are good. They're well-intentioned, but I also think that they're a little dangerous. Here's why. Because turns out I can't do anything I want to do just because I put my mind to it. Like, that's not the way that it goes. I really can't do it. Here's an example. I'm 5'10", and that's probably pretty generous. And I grew up in Indiana. I love basketball. I played basketball my whole life, but I'm never going to make it to the NBA. And I can't really even jump that well. I mean, there are movies about guys like me. It's called White Men Can't Jump. And that's, that's just me. I can't do it. I'll prove it to you. Here we go. Check this out. I mean, if you can, find a hype man like Kyle in your life. Like, it's so good. I mean, being more specific, I can't dunk on a 10-foot goal. I can, like, on a 5-foot goal because I'm a little taller than the goal. But, like, I was actually thinking about it, though, because in context like this, sometimes we even think, okay, yeah, okay. But if you put in some effort, if you put in some training, if you put in some time, if you put in some coaching, if you put in some money, you really would be able to do that. So let's kind of raise the stakes because just because I can't set my mind to it, I mean, first of all, I won't be able to dunk on a 10-foot goal. But second of all, what about a 15-foot goal or a 20-foot goal or a 100-foot goal? Like I'm never, I'm never going to be able to do it. Why? Because it's impossible. Like I can't. Turns out I can't dunk. So what's my point? Well, there are a lot of things, even if I set my mind to it, that I can't do. I think the truth, that's probably true for you too. There are a lot of things, even with the money and the coaching and the time and the effort and the ability or whatever, there are a lot of things that you can't do, no matter how much effort you put in. So here are some examples for you. No matter how much effort you put in, you can't go back in time and change your worst day. No matter how much effort you put in, you can't go back in time and change the worst decision that you've ever made. No matter how much effort you put in, you can't make someone love you. No matter how much effort you put in, you can't bring someone back from the dead. Do you see that there are all sorts of things that we can't do? Even trivial things like dunking a basketball or things that we want to be able to control like the weather. We just can't do it. There are a lot of things in our life that we can't do and we can't control. And if we add the other stuff to it, the stuff that we're not trained in or we don't have experience, or we don't have expertise, or we're not gifted in, the list of what I don't know and don't know how to do is way longer than the list of what I do know. And do know how to do. We can't control all aspects of life. Are you feeling motivated? Like, how are we doing on the motivational scale right now? Kind of, okay, I'm sorry. 
But this is the last week of our series that we're calling Pursuit. And we've been talking about the book of Philippians. And as we've been walking through that book, we've really talked about what it looks like to pursue the things of God. And we've talked about what does it look like to pursue joy or unity or spiritual growth or success or peace. And towards the end of this book in the Bible, Philippians, there's this Bible verse that a lot of times we use kind of as a motivational poster. Check this out. This is Philippians 4.13. This is what it says. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That kind of makes me feel good. Have you ever seen that verse anywhere? Maybe you've seen it on Instagram. Maybe you have it hanging up in your bathroom. I don't know what the context is there, but I'm glad that you can do whatever you need to do. But I have a question for you. In this context, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So here's the question. Does this mean that if I pray hard enough, I can dunk a basketball? Okay. Let's get even more real, kind of real deal things, because it doesn't matter if I can dunk a basketball, turns out. Does this mean that if we pray hard enough, no matter what, the cancer will go away? Does this mean that the job will get better if we believe hard enough? Does this mean the relationship always gets reconciled? Does this mean that the darkness of depression gets lifted or the hurt of anxiety gets lifted? Or even throughout our world, does this mean that poverty will go away or hunger will go away or pandemics will go away or whatever? Those are fair questions because we read this and we go, well, I can do everything, right? Through Jesus who gives me strength. Well, let's look at a little bit of context. Let's just kind of pull back a little bit and take a look at what's going on around this verse. So the book of Philippians is written by a guy named Paul. We've been talking about in this whole series. Paul's actually a missionary. That's just a fancy word for he's traveling and doing his best to share the love of Jesus with everybody. And when he writes this letter, he's actually in prison. He's actually fearing for his life. And he was doing his thing. He was talking about Jesus and the church in Philippi sent Paul a gift just to help him out. Not a Christmas gift or anything like that, like a financial, physical support type of gift for Paul. So Paul received this gift and he wrote the letter to the Philippians who lived in Philippi. And here are the verses around Philippians 4.13. Check this out. We're going to start in verse 10. This is what he says. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So Paul is acknowledging just the gift. He's saying, hey, I'm grateful for this gift. He's praising God for this gift. You know, these people, these churches weren't always able to help him. And he's just glad that they did. He's grateful. But he kind of has a weird way of saying thanks. Can you imagine if somebody said thanks to you like this? This is verse 11. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. What a weird way to say thanks. Can you imagine if somebody said thanks to you like that? Like, here's a gift I put a lot of thought and effort into. Like, not that I needed it anyway. I guess thank you. Like if, if somebody at Christmas was like that with you, like, hey, you know, we, I stayed up like 12 hours to make your bicycle because I don't know why they can't just put it together in the box, but they can't. And so they sent it. I spent all this time. Here you go, daughter. You're like, not that I needed it anyway, but thanks, dad. Like we wouldn't love this. 
This is kind of weird. This seems a little absurd to me. But Paul keeps going because there's a reason he's saying this. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. Now let that sink in. I'm going to read this again. Could you say this verse is true in your life? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every single situation possible, known to man, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with a lot or a little. I can't say that. But he has it. He has the secret. No matter who you are, no matter what you have, no matter what you think, no matter where you're going, no matter what you've done, Paul has the secret of living in every single situation. That's what he's saying. So he's like, thank you for the gift, but I was content. I was good to go before the gift. Thank you for what you gave, but I have the secret to living no matter what and had nothing to do with your gift. And then he drops the truth. Then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He finishes the section even. He's not even completely done. He doesn't ask for another gift because he doesn't need it. He says in verse 14, check this out. He says, even so you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Well, thanks for throwing us a bone, Paul. But that's the context. Paul has been given this gift. He wrote the entire letter of Philippians in response. He's grateful, but he doesn't want anyone to misunderstand. He doesn't want anyone to lose the context here. The motivational verse is the secret, but it only comes in context when going like, no matter what, no matter a lot or a little, no matter the circumstance, verse 13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what is Paul saying? What's he trying to communicate to us? Well, sometimes life is great. Things go well. Have you ever been in a season like this where you have what you want, you have what you need, you're healthy, you're happy. It's a time in your life that you're like, this is all right. I could do this. Like I could live this way. There are seasons of life that seem so full or so fun you have seasons of abundance. Maybe like even like everything's going right. Everything's lucky for you. Like right now for me as a Colts fan, I kind of feel like that. We just won two weeks in a row. Shouldn't have. I'm like, this is awesome. A season of abundance. Everything's great. Maybe you're enjoying the stage of life that you're in. New love, new family, new job, whatever. And you're just kind of on that honeymoon phase and things are going well. But sometimes, just like Paul is saying, life can be incredibly difficult too. And there are times in life where we feel like no matter how hard we try, we can't quite kind of reach the rim. We can't dunk the basketball. We can't do it. And maybe some of you feel like that right now. You're struggling. And you're like, the relationship isn't going well. The finances aren't going well. The job's not going well. My heart's not going well. I don't know what it is. But you're in a situation beyond your control. And no matter what you do, no matter what effort you put in, you can't do it. And you don't know where to turn. And Paul is saying, either way, whether things are going great or things are terrible, or anywhere in between. Here's the secret to living life. This is my kind of version of what he's saying. Jesus is enough no matter what. 
no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on, good and bad and ugly, Paul is saying loudly and clearly, Jesus, Jesus is enough. And this is a huge concept. And I think maybe one that we, we don't always know how to wrap our mind around. Maybe we accept it without really thinking about it. So I want to ask you a question. Do you actually believe that Jesus is enough? No matter what, though. Like if you didn't have enough food, don't have enough water, you don't have safety, the job is gone, the relationship broke, Jesus is enough even in that circumstance? Do you see how if this is true, if we really believe that this is true, around the world this is true, no matter the circumstance, no matter the government, no matter the culture, no matter the politics, that this is true, that it changes the way that we would live our lives. See, Paul is talking about something called contentment. And here, here's, here's kind of our working definition of contentment. Contentment is living joyfully no matter my circumstance. And the context that we're talking about, Paul in a bad situation in jail, still says, hey, Jesus is enough. And he even says, hey, other people, other provision, other ways that we interact, other relationships, that's all good. They can encourage us, but that's not where he finds contentment either. He doesn't find it in anything other than Jesus because contentment doesn't come down to physical circumstances. I've actually been working through kind of this concept that I'm not sure that contentment is just a feeling I think we can feel content, but I think that there's more to it than that. Maybe it's a state of being. Maybe it's a, a posture. Maybe it's an attitude that we have towards life because feelings change all the time and feelings are fickle and feelings move to and fro. But in the worst of circumstances, we're able to be content. It's a state of being. And contentment, the type that Paul is talking about, is a no matter what type of contentment. It's an even though it's rough type of contentment. It's a yeah, that's a bad situation, but you still live joyfully type of contentment. Why? Because Jesus is enough no matter what. And everything else that we've talked about in this series is kind of rooted in this concept. How do you have joy in your life? Well, it's through Jesus. Jesus is enough no matter what. Do you want to be unified? Do you want to live humbly? Well, Jesus is the way that that starts, and he's enough no matter what. You want to grow in your relationship with Jesus and in your faith? Well, Jesus is enough no matter what. It starts there. Do you want to be successful in this world? We'll redefine it because really what we're talking about is Jesus. You want peace that surpasses your own understanding? Something that you can't just think of and feel one day? You want it to be the biggest, most best type of peace in the world? Well, it comes down to Jesus. Rely on Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. We say it over and over and over and over again because Jesus is enough. And Paul is saying Jesus is where contentment comes from. So that brings us kind of back to where we started with verse 13. So what does it mean? When we look at verse 13, it means we can do everything God calls us to do with the strength that comes from Jesus. Here's what it doesn't mean. It is not like superpower verse. It's not like motivational, it doesn't mean anything, hang in there, good luck to you type verse. 
Turns out, I was really thinking about this. If God wanted me to dunk a basketball, I could. He doesn't care that I do it. It's not helping him. He hasn't called me to it. So you saw the results of what happens. But the reality is, it's not unlimited power. It's not like a genie in a bottle. It's not a superhero Bible verse. I want to be as strong as Hulk. I want to be as smart as Batman. I want to be as patriotic as Captain America or whatever. I know I cross universes there for you nerds. I understand. (laughs) But the reality is, it's not about that. It's not about, like, my power. It's not a call to be strong or to achieve like we want Jesus is enough because of who Jesus is, not because of who I am. And Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is God. He came to earth to die for our mistakes, to die for our sin. He's trustworthy even when we make mistakes because of the cross. He brings us back into this right relationship with God and that anyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life in heaven. That's the type of power that Paul is talking about. So in, in the context of this verse, remember what we were talking about before? There are all sorts of things that you and I can't do. You can't go back in time and change your worst day. You know who can? Jesus. You know who can make right any wrong decision that you've made? Jesus. You know who can control the weather? It calms at his voice. It's Jesus. You know who can control Life and death and bring someone back from the dead. It's Jesus. That's why Jesus is enough. That's why the foundation of all of this is in Jesus. Whatever God is calling you to in your life, whatever circumstance you're in, see, Jesus gives you the strength to navigate it. So it really kind of comes down to this question that I have as I was reading through this. And it wasn't the question I thought it was going to be. I thought the question was going to be, how can I be content? But Paul answers that. He just says, Jesus. So really the question that I'm kind of wrestling with now in my own life is this question. It's what is God calling you to do? Because if you follow Jesus, he's calling you to do something. Whether you're a little kid, whether you are... Not a little kid. I almost got myself in trouble. Anywhere in that spectrum. If you follow Jesus, he's calling you. No matter your circumstance, no matter if things are bad, no matter if things are good, no matter if you feel like it or not, he's calling you to do something. It's actually a pretty difficult thing to answer for you. I've been praying about that, thinking about that. Like, how do I ask this question in a way that I answer it for you? And I don't know if I can. I think he can be calling you to do one more thing at a time. I don't know what God is calling every single person hearing these words. I don't know. I do know, though, he's calling. I do know that. And I also believe wholeheartedly that if he's calling you to something and you're not having to rely on Jesus to do it, you need to pause. You need to check yourself because that's not what we're talking about. He can do everything through Christ who gives us strength, not in our own strength. So maybe he's stretching you, but I know he's prompting and I know that he's calling. And when you answer the call, he gives you the strength to navigate it. 
So I was thinking about that in the context of my own life. That's a good, healthy thing to do, right? So I was thinking about it for me and my wife, Abby. We're kind of thinking through this question. What's God calling us to do? What does it look like to put our faith into practice? What does it look like to take our next step? These are all ways that we say it. What does it look like for us to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ and join God in what he's doing? How's he uniquely called me and Abby? We've said all of those phrases over the last three or four months here at the Ridge, asking people, what is God calling you to do? And so we prayed about it separately and together, and we began the process to become licensed foster parents. And here's the thing. That's terrifying to me. Absolutely terrifying. So we actually completed that process. We got our license this last week. So kiddo could be placed in our home at any time. And we're going through these trainings and we're interacting with this idea. And in some of the trainings, they they tell you all of the abuse that could have happened to a child that might be in my home in a matter of days coming off of addiction, a kid. The sexual, mental, emotional abuse that a kid would have experienced. And as we've gone through this process and as I've talked to Abby, I'm not qualified for that. I don't know how to navigate all of that. I don't know how. And then on top of that, we were asked this question this last week. We're like right at the end of getting licensed. This was the question. Would you be willing to accept a medically fragile child into your home? I don't even know what that means. I don't know. How can we answer yes to that? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I don't know. And so we pray and we talk and we're like, God, are you really calling us to do this? Like, is there an easier version of this? And it turns out, as we're praying through it and as God's calling us to do it, this thought, I think, came to me and Abby both separately. You're right. You don't have what it takes, Adam. You're right. You can't do it on your own. And you can't do it You and Abby can't figure it all out. And it is going to rock your world. And I believe, I'm telling you right now, I would not consider doing this if it wasn't for Jesus. But here's what I do believe. And here's the concept that's really just just sunk its teeth into me. Because if God called you to it, Jesus gives you the strength to do it. Period. If God calls you to it, if God is calling me and Abby to it, Jesus gives you the strength to do it. Because I can't, I promise you, I cannot do it by myself. Nor do I want to do it by myself. What is God calling you to do? There are a lot of ways to answer the question. Even if terrible things are going on in your life, even if the struggle is real, even if you're in the middle of the illness or the cancer or the whatever, 
Sometimes what God is calling you to do is be faithful, and he gives you the strength to be faithful. He gives you the strength to have hope. He gives you the strength to have peace. He gives you, he gives you the strength to make the right choice when you're supposed to. Like, he gives you the strength to do it. You're not by yourself. You don't have to do it on your own. It is with Jesus. If God called you to it, no matter what it is, Jesus gives you the strength to do it. And I was even thinking about, okay, so challenge everybody with that. And he, I do believe, has uniquely called you to do something. But I also believe that he's uniquely called the Ridge to do something. We've been talking about it for a month or so. We call it the 10K Challenge Year of Service. See, we believe that God has called the Ridge to interact with people in our community, no strings attached, just to love them for 10,000 hours over the next year. We want to join God in what he's already doing. And I believe that it is not an accident that you're here when we're talking about the 10K challenge. I don't think it's an accidental thing. I think God has brought you here for a purpose. So much so that we even have a unique opportunity here at the Ridge on November 6th, two weeks from now. We're going to give kind of the entire morning to serving others in our community. On Sunday, November 6th, we start at 9.30. We're going to meet for like 20 minutes, pray, kind of talk about instructions. And then by 10 o'clock, you're going to be out serving in our community in a bunch of different ways. Here's some of the ways that we've kind of been figuring out. Note writing. So prayer and bag preparation for children transitioning into foster care. They're given to these kids by DCS workers. That's amazing to me that we can do that and encourage people in that way. We're going to help stock and shop for local food pantries, Love Chapel and Salvation Army. We're going to do outdoor fall cleanup projects, neighbors and neighborhoods and parks and for the city and all sorts of different things. We have child care through zero through five so that people can really sink in and do that stuff. Why would we do any of that? as a church because God's called us to it. And 10,000 hours is a lot of hours over the next year. But I believe that if God calls us to it, he gives us the strength, he gives us the resource, he gives us the opportunity to do it. So what's God calling you to? you have an answer? Because no matter what, Jesus is enough and if you still don't know what God is calling you to do, here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to, we'll just say a prayer together. You can bow your head. We'll just walk you through asking God the answer to this question. And I believe if you truly ask God this question, he'll give you an answer. Here we go. Bow your head. God, you provide everything I need through Jesus. Jesus is enough. God, what are you calling me to do? Help me know without a shadow of a doubt, what are you calling me to do? Thank you that Jesus is with me. Thank you that you give us the strength to do what we've been called to do, that we can choose to be content no matter the circumstance. God, what do you want me to do? I love you. Amen. See, we can be content no matter what when we're doing what God calls us to do. Why? Because we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Flat out, no catch, no fine print, no if, ands, or buts. It's not a joke. There's no strings attached to it. He's just saying, no, Jesus is enough. 
No matter the circumstance, no matter the calling, no matter the problem, Jesus is enough. And if God called you to it, Jesus gives you the strength to do it. Jesus is enough no matter what's going on in your life. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us actually respond to you. I believe that you are prompting, that you are calling, that you are pulling and pushing and whatever we need in our head and heart to follow you, to surrender to you, to live for you. Help us do that. We need your help to do that. It's hard. This is a scary prayer. Help us join you in what you are calling us to do. You're already there. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the reason that we can do this because of Jesus and the cross and how the cross leads to an empty tomb because you conquered death. You created all of this. And you know exactly what we need and what we want and where you're calling us to go and what it takes to get there. And I'm thankful that you stretch and you push past maybe our comfort zone or maybe what's easy for us to do. Help us. God, what are you calling us to do? And help us do it. Give us the strength to do it. We thank you for your love. And that this this is even a version of loving you, responding to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.